Train Shuffling is brought to you by Midgard Hobbies and Games, our friendly local game store. Next, we'd like to thank Luxury Playstyle, maker of fine metal gaming accessories. Visit luxplay.com and use promo code LUXINFORMANT for 15% off. Next, we'd like to thank our wonderful patrons for your support. If you'd like to buy a few shares of Train Shuffling, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash meekinformant. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Train Shuffling. I'm Johnny. I'm Eric. And we're here to talk about trains and all of the happenings in the world. Yeah. But we're not doing it in an organized fashion. <laughs> this, is a, this is a bonus episode. A Pullman car, if you will. A Pullman car. Thought, <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. We thought that would be thematically appropriate, <laughs> appropriate for like a shorty episode, but... Do you know what a Pullman is? I don't. Because I don't I either. Don't. But it, I know it gives you bonus revenue in... Uh, in e, is it EU? Yeah. EU. <laughs> uh, 22s have Pullmans. The 22 games. So. Other games do that, I, that I'm not aware of. Yeah. Well, anyways, so it's a bonus episode, uh, and we thought we'd start off. Eric did a whole bunch of work on something that we're, you probably already know about, but Eric, why don't you announce it because it's your thing that you did. Yeah, I've been real loud about it to everybody who will listen. Um, so we have merch. I hate, actually, I get irked when I hear merch, like the word or the phrase merch. Yeah, but this phrase. is nonprofit merch. That's so true. Okay. So it's merchandise. So we can say the whole <laughs> word and not be... Not be weird about it. So yeah, we have a store for stuff that train stuff, train shuffling stuff. We have t-shirts and long sleeve shirts and hoodies and tank tops and a coffee mug um, right now. And that's, that's about it. But we designed a cool shirt that has our logo on the front and on the back, it's uh it's in the style of a, like a rock tour. And we've got all like all the game names that, felt fun and put like the cities it's like a it's like a tour and it goes in chronological order that to make it seem like a tour yeah. it's like a very very slow rock tour that took like, a <laughs> century to do <laughs> i was thinking about it i was like this is the slowest rock concert ever well, it's kind of thematic though i mean these aren't the fastest games yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah because they were playing all these xx games between yeah. stops so the tour took totally. about as long as it takes to play a game of 2038 so nice <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, uh, we'll have a link in the description here for you to go to. Um, but if you want to check it out and you don't have access to that for some reason, it's at bonfire.com slash store slash train shuffling. And I didn't mention all of the proceeds, all the profits for every single one of these shirts and coffee mugs goes directly to the ACLU. We don't see a penny of it. We just wanted to have some stuff out there. I wanted a t-shirt <laughs> for the podcast. And, um, so it's me mostly for me. But you can get it too. <laughs> um, and it's a lot of work uh, for a t-shirt for yourself. Um, hey, listen, <laughs> I'm proud. Uh, yeah, so go check that out. And we've to date, we've raised $91 for the ACLU uh, in support of Black Lives Matter. So that that's cool. Yeah. Feel good about that. And I want more people to go. I, I really want, here's the goal. I want to like show up at a con when cons can happen again and see a train shuffling shirt on a person I don't know. That, that would, would be, be cool. like really neat. And weird. <laughs> I don't think we're big enough for that, but maybe one day. We'll, uh, we'll do a special edition mug uh, next with Eric's uh, mug on it. So 
a so mug people, with my mug? Oh, yeah. a mug with just so, my face. So people will know uh, and come up to you and show you that they're wearing your shirt and drinking your mug out of your <laughs> mug. <laughs> I, would, I would never buy that as a person. I'd buy it for, like, I don't even know if I'd buy it. I wouldn't want to see my own face on it. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want But you could just put a mirror on a mug if you wanted to see your own face. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so we have other... Uh, other news, we, uh, we rejiggered our Patreon rewards, and we now have uh, three, three tiers. We have a $2, a $5, and a $10 tier. Uh, we felt the rewards that were on the $10 tier were more in line with $5 pledges, so everybody that's in the $5 pledge is going to be grandfathered in and get those rewards. Um, that's the, the Train Shuffling Poker Chip. Uh, we're actually designing a new one with the new logo, and it's going to have a minus one on it. Uh, we haven't picked the chip out, and we haven't fully finalized the design, but we're doing that. And then the $10 reward is now going to include a T-shirt after six months of patronage um, and a uh, game online with us if you'd like to play with us online. And shout-outs on the podcast. A shout-out on the podcast and uh, in the live show whenever we start doing that again. Although we've been doing... Uh, the digital, yeah, digitally yeah. live. Uh, also, at the two dollar two dollar so. level, you do get access to our Discord, and um, you also get to vote in our content. Um, so. Yeah, and we finally have enough people where the voting makes sense, and we, we're starting to do that. We installed a a poll bot on Discord, so we can actually put out a poll, and we've got one going now for the next uh, next game to stream after we do our two player CZ, and I. I think 1849 is in the lead. Yeah, I was just going to say if you if you knew the latest numbers on that. I don't, uh, but I think eight, I think 49 was in the lead. Uh, the other options were 18 Scan, Age of Steam, which I know is not 18XX, and what was the other one? There's one more. 49 is win is winning. Yes, uh, it, yeah. Neb Scan 49 and the oh, Age Neb. of Steam. Yeah. So yeah, we got it. We have to get a, a play of Neb in at some point because we've got. We just put in an order. Or Eric put in an order for a few games from Golden uh, Spike Games. Several hundred dollars worth. Yeah. So I've got GB. I um. Uh, I was gonna say Ireland, not Ireland. Forty-one and EU, and I think you've got Neb and EU. Yeah, just Neb and EU. Um. So we've got eight to twelve months before those would be. Uh, starting to get handmade. So uh, we want to get plays of all those games in. We're uh, currently playing a game of EU. Actually, we're going to talk about all the games that we're, we're currently playing. We've been playing a lot of async games lately. Yeah, quite a bit. We, we started, um, what a smooth segue. Yeah. Uh, and then I pointed <laughs> it out. So uh, we've, we've been playing, starting with a bunch of games of 46 um, with Jorbashan and Eric Bruches, their, their group um, getting steadily whooped. Actually, did I win one? I won a game, but it wasn't. It was me, you, and Mike, who right, was only yeah. like thirty plays and to forty six. Yeah, Eric, so. Eric wasn't in that one. Eric Brocious. Yeah, I came close on one, and that felt good. And I, I, you've played a couple now without me, right? Yeah. Um, this current one that I'm playing is probably my worst performance. Um, and the thing is, is that I think I started off like I picked. I got the big four and I was first up to pick my major and I picked NYC and I, I part it correctly, I think. And then I got nervous that I wasn't going to get a token in Chicago and I blew it. Where'd you part it? You know, I parted at nine at 90, uh, 80, sorry. I think it was 80. Um, 
And based on the amount of cash, I had a lot of cash going into the first stock round. And Joe said he would have started a different company at the same par price, but he thinks that that was a fine choice. And I started NYC because of the strong early revenue that it can get with those uh, two lays into to Cleveland. And then after everybody picked all of their all of their uh, corporations, I realized that if I didn't get Chicago tokened in the first OR, first set of ORs, that I was not going to get into Chicago for the whole game. And I think I placed too much emphasis on getting into Chicago, is what I was told, that I didn't need a token in Chicago. So I forego, I, I forewent the uh, <laughs> standard opening with NYC in order to get into Chicago and just snowballed in a very bad way from there. I nearly went bankrupt, which happens in like 2% of games. And I actually would have gone really? bankrupt if they didn't let, if they didn't let me mulligan. Uh, I had basically, I, I thought I was, I thought I was allowed to, I can't remember the exact situation, but I thought I was going to be, Oh, I thought I was going to be able to buy a seven, eight on an emergency train buy, but I forgot that there were five shares of, uh, I had to sell shares to do it. And I forgot there were already five shares in the bank. You had pool. an issue. Yeah. So I couldn't actually sell shares. So. So I was going to have to buy the 6T, but the only 6 run that I had for East-West was was requiring me to place a token. So I was like, of course, I'm, I'm not going to buy this train to get my endgame run and then not be able to run it. But in order to place that token, I was going to go bankrupt. So what they let me do nice. was I had two companies and I was buying trains across. They let me change the amount that I bought the train for from the other company in order to not go bankrupt. <laughs> well, that was nice of them. I think they mostly didn't want to look up the rules for bankruptcy because nobody ever goes bankrupt. <laughs> they were like, so if you, you go bankrupt, win, we'll just I ask. Think. What was that? We, I can, we can assume you didn't win that game. It's actually still going, but I ended up going into the next stock round with like 17 bucks, and and I had five shares in NYC and two in the B&O, and the B&O got taken over because I couldn't buy any more shares, and I'm still running the NYC, but um, yeah, I've... <laughs> I've probably got like maybe 10% of the amount of uh, net worth as the next lowest player. Wow. It's real. Yeah, it's, it was, it was very bad performance. They said it's not the worst they've ever seen. That's cool. You had a good implosion. (laughs) I have, I am currently experiencing the hardest implosion that I have ever, the biggest, whatever I'm doing terribly in, uh, in our async game of 1822 MRS. Uh, just Johnny's also in that. And we did a synchronous start. We got into like the third stock round. We got into like the third stock round. And a funny thing about MRS is this is the second time I've played it. And the first time I didn't notice because things were just, they, they worked out for me. I had a good company that had easy merging with its minor that I wanted to merge in. Um, but the train rush in that game is actually pretty brutal. It turns out with the way that the threes get exported, the the two tree the two trains get exported. Oh, because the um, L trains, because they rust right. on the threes. Yeah, right. So a bunch of trains get exported um, when there are Ls and twos available, um, and then eventually, if you don't start the top miner on offer every stock round at the end of the stock round, the top train of the stack gets exported in addition to a bunch of other twos or L's. Um, I, I don't know if they're technically twos or L's or 
what if it's just L's at the beginning of the game or well there's L's and you can if you get to if you get to it before they rust you can flip them into twos I believe yes yeah you can definitely do that in the beginning I don't know if they're whatever trains that are they're double sided in mm-hmm. the game L's and on the back there's twos and you can upgrade them for a cost um, but the three trains are they go fast when this export happens and um, then all of a sudden my miner in this game which I have the 17 and I also started the seeker S E C, um, which is they're close. They're both around London and the seeker points out East and 17 minus 17 is kind of a little bit to the West Southwest of London. And I built to London, but it doesn't connect through. And I tried to like start to build around to connect them, which you need connectivity to merge. And then the fours broke and my two rusted in the, in the 17. And now I was stuck just, toggling back and forth buying my three train back from the major over to the minor and then back from the minor over to the major and i did that three times i think or maybe four um it's pretty painful watching my all my share value go down and down and down yeah your shares are worth like 40 bucks a share i think now yeah it's really ugly. Um, i Um, actually entirely avoided um the train rush by not starting a minor (laughs) I started yeah, a major was... in this uh, in the last set, and it unfortunately um, I'm not going to have a very good end game run. I did get an extra token from one of the privates, so I will have four tokens for an E train to run, but it's not going to be the best. But I will until we get to E trains. I think I um, I have really good runs right now, and I still have train space. And I think if I break the fives, Randy would have to squeeze one off. And um, I think I'm doing, I this, think, I think I'm qualify that term. Squeeze one off. <laughs> uh, he will have to get rid of a train because he'll be over the train limit. Um, I don't go. know if that's a local colloquialism. Is that the right word? He likes, he says squeeze off trains. Uh, and <laughs> Is that a Randy thing or a New England thing? Or is that an 18 I think it's a Randy thing. Okay. Um, it makes sense, but it also can be interpreted in a way that's not appropriate <laughs> for young listeners. So, uh, um, but Randy is is far and away leading this game, and I don't think anything will will change that. Um, but I think I could, I think I could cr- uh, cruise to a, a comfortable second if I play well. Uh, I'm doing better than I thought I would be doing without starting a minor, but uh, we'll see if that continues. My shares are worth a lot. Twenty two is tricky. Um, we haven't talked about 22 and this, like I said, it's only my second play Johnny's second, right. Of mm-hmm. you played on stream yep. um, for the first play. And then, and then this, I have trouble right now. I'm playing 18 EU and 18, 22 MRS asynchronous. We've been playing them for a while now. I don't know if it's going on the third week or in the third week now, um, playing them. We've been, you know, I've had family vacations and Johnny's been busy with stuff. We're probably the two that are slowing the games down the most. Um, but I've I have trouble holding the rules. Quickly. Okay, good for you. <laughs> I'm slowing everything down then. Um, I'm having trouble holding the rules for both of these games, which are kind of similar. They both have minors that go into majors and then merge in and do stuff. But the, the rules are different. And I'll be thinking about one rule set and then playing the other game. And since it's my first, really my first play, it's my first play of EU and it might as well be my first play of MRS because I'm a month out from the first game of that. And I play it online. I feel like I absorb the rules a lot more when I'm playing in person. And 
I made a mistake in EU in our EU game today that frustrated me. And it was, it has to do with how in EU there's a, there's something called a minor exchange, a final minor exchange round or something to that effect. Um, where at the point, I think when the first five train is bought, if you have a miner that's still around, then you have to exchange it with something it's connected to. But if there's no shares available to exchange it with, um, in the, in the major that it's going into. So if, the, if that's sold out or if it has no shares in its treasury, then it just goes poof and you don't get anything for it. And, uh, there are like minor differences as far as like, can you exchange it? If you have six shares of a company, uh, or an EU, you can like, you, you convert a miner into a major, and then you can exchange a token, and then suddenly you have more connectivity to more miners, and those miners can then merge in, but only in that stock round. And then after that, you can't ever do that again. So these little details are very important, and um, I'm failing to remember most of them when that, when it actually is important. And then like three or four days later, someone will go, oh, yeah, you can't do that because you, you didn't do that thing four days ago. And uh, I'm finding that frustrating. I'm going to take a moment, though, as frustrating as it is for you to pat myself on the back a little bit, because I think you thought I was trying to trick you into doing something, but I was no. trying to convince you to, to convert your M3, even though it was actually bad for me because my shares were worth 100 and they're going to go up in value. So if somebody buys a share, I get 100 into the treasury or more. And I got $40 into the treasury and really no benefit other than maybe saving me a track action. Uh, to open up a second slot for my token. Um, and I, I thought that you thought I was trying to convince you to do something bad. Um, no, you're like, I didn't, nope, I'm I didn't keep think it. that. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think that. So what he's talking about is um, in this particular game, I had a miner that was, it had $40 in its treasury and it was about to face, I did, it had no train, right? So it had a special power. And if it's connected to a major and it was connected to both mine and to Johnny's next door neighbors, um, and mine had no shares left and Johnny's had one, well, several left and is a good looking company. And I didn't want to merge it in with Johnny's because it gives the special ability in this case, is just like a $60 discount on one mountain lay and 40 bucks, but it also exchanges the token, um, that it has with the, the major. Now I didn't realize that in this game, it actually doesn't give an extra token. It, it just pulls one off of the charter. Right. When you so, create your major, you pay for all your tokens up front. For all the tokens. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. I thought I was giving Johnny an extra token. Um, but yeah, I got. A, I guess I got a $100 share for 40 bucks. So that's pretty good. Yeah. But, um, and, and I'm an unintentionally doing well in that game. <laughs> but <laughs> I got mad because I didn't, I didn't realize what the rules were going to make me do. And I was like, I wanted to do something else. God damn it. What's yeah. going on? The worst, the, the worst one was your, and your other miner. That's, uh, you, you did that trackly from Paris to London, which is really profitable. Um, but you needed, um, it's not connected to any majors. So even in the final exchange round, you're not going to be able to exchange that. So you're going to, you're getting all the value from the, from the high value runs that you got throughout throughout its life right but then it's just going to go away which will happen yeah in this game paris is a high value city in the north 
west. Um, but it's it's like a double O that never connects ever in the whole game. There's an, a northern exit and a southern exit. And I have both of them. I had a minor that started in both. Um, but this one that goes northern to, to London makes a bunch of money, but doesn't connect. And I didn't do that. And yeah, it's going to go poof. Probably. Yeah, and there's a rule in the game. We're probably getting into a little too much minutia, but there's a rule in the game where when you, when you create your major, if your tokens are co-located, they don't have to have track connectivity. If they're located on the same hex, you can merge them together. So that was Eric's opportunity to do it. And he didn't, he thought he could just at any point in a future share round, exchange that miner for a share as long as it was co-located. And when he found out that wasn't true, that was the point at which it was too late to do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, damn it. Like I would have done that, but. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably enough on EU. I'm very much enjoying it. I think it seems, uh, you know, I, I always, I always struggle with some of these longer games asynchronously because they take a long time and it's hard to keep your plans straight and everything. But uh, I think EU seems like a really cool game and I'm excited to play that more and to get a copy of it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of EU so far. We're exploring it. We'll probably do a, a more in-depth discussion. Yeah, I like at that a future date. we... So this wasn't the the impetus for it, but um, we, we talked about doing, um, I think for maybe our episode after we interview Scott talking about uh, some track stuff and difference between like Curvilinear and Lawson and spoilers um, Johnny and, and well that's okay um, now we've laid, now we've now we've put it out there so if somebody tries to beat us to the punch we'll, we'll know that they're uh, poaching our topics but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were going to um, announce that at the end of the episode <laughs> oh, oh you didn't want me to not announce it. you just wanted me to wait until the end got it but I thought it was interesting because we, we've typically or historically played a lot of games with curvilinear track, probably because a lot of the games, most of the games have that. Um, but recently we've been playing a lot of games with loss and track. Um, 22 EU and 20, uh, and 1817, uh, are all. You played 17. That's true. I have you not. didn't play that. Um, but I just thought it was uh, kind of a coincidence that we were recently talking about that. And I don't know if maybe it was subconscious that that's what made me start thinking about the topic. But uh, I've, I've been a little more con- uh, conscious of how, you know, I, um, some of the stuff we'll get more into, but I, I've been paying more attention to what it means and why it's an important difference in kind of how you think about laying tracks. So. Worth appreciating when you start a game up and look at the tile roster. And I, I always like that feeling, and I've had it a few times in the genre, and I'm sure that over the course of my entire life, if I keep playing 18xx, which I'm sure I will, that I will keep having these moments. But there's, you know, always this this feeling of when you peel just a little bit, you know, one more layer off and uh, and start to see uh, something that you didn't never notice before or didn't really appreciate the nuances of before. I think that's a cool feeling. It's one of the reasons why I love the genre. I was going to say, that's why we do it. Um, so we also, man, we've played a lot. I don't know if we want to go into super in-depth on, on some of these other games. Uh, Johnny and I are about to finish up a two-player online game of 18CZ with the uh, Voslov third-player bot guy, semi-bot, pseudo-bot. And that is a delightful game. I, I continue to enjoy 18CZ. We've broken it up into like... We played two different evenings for a couple hours and then have maybe 20 minutes left before we finish it off. We have like the final three ORs that are mostly done, but I was tired. I, um, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get into super detail on all these, but I just wanted to say one thing about Vaslov because 
Um, I know he's like a bot and that doesn't sound that cool, but there are a lot of times where it feels like, okay, you just lay the track and I'll just put a token down or not or whatever. Um, cause the way it works is whoever has priority does the track for some of his companies and the other person tokens and vice versa for some of his companies. And, but there are a few moments in the game where it becomes extremely important, um, to yeah. the point of like, I'm willing to sell a share and not be at share limit in order to make sure I'm laying track or putting a token down for this company. And I like that it's not all the time, but when it happens, it's, um, it's just cool. I like it. Yeah. It puts some major importance on who has priority in the two player game when normally it doesn't matter so much. Right. I, I, I think because, most of the time, like it, it, in this game, if you're not familiar with CZ, there are small, medium, and large companies. You start with small companies, you make money with them, and you'll start a medium, um, any bigger company. So a medium can acquire a smaller company, or a large company can acquire a medium or a small company. And it like pays out for the shareholders and gets the money in the treasury and the trains and stuff. Um, there's three different types of trains. There's three different train rusting schemes so like the large trains will only rust the large trains and etc um but you start you you generally start with like the small company in an area and you build up a network with your medium company you also get all the tokens when you acquire um and then the large company is usually the one that you've been like building up your infrastructure toward like gearing up towards going to a specific yeah, one cuz it's only got and two two tokens so it needs that infrastructure Right. And so I feel like most of the time you, it, there's nothing that you're like both gunning for and whoever gets it is, is going to like dibs. I'm going to get that. I win. I, I wanted that one too much, it, or at least in the game that we're playing, because um, I don't know if that would just feel like suicide, but it seems like there's naturally some good pairings. And if you start one, you're going to go for the other. So I'm, I'm not going to like intentionally take the company that's, anti-synergistic with mine just to take it away from Johnny because that's just sort of worse for everybody because he'll just do the same yeah. and then we're just running for less and it's, I don't know, maybe maybe that'd be interesting but priority doesn't feel super important as far as that because you're just going to take what works right. most of the time but then Prio really comes in in the two-player for Voslov. Yeah, I feel like Voslov is the uh, the most interesting man in the world. You know, he's a it's like priority isn't always important for uh, for run, who runs my companies, but uh, when it, it is, is, it's really important. <laughs> <laughs> I don't always lay tokens, <laughs> but when I do, you hate me. Uh, yeah, so 18CZ is cool. We are uh, going to be streaming that as a two-player game on Tabletop Simulator, which is actually like a pretty good experience. I was surprised. This was my first 18xx play on, on TTS, um, and it's well-scripted where you can just hit like pay out and it sees who has the shares and sends that money to the shareholders. And it's pretty nice. Um, so we're going to try and do that in the next week or two. Yeah. And there's actually Fine. somebody on Twitter who was asking for a uh, teach of it. So it's kind of fortuitous that we were like, Oh, watch us play it. And <laughs> yeah, that, that was Kimberly. We met yeah. her at uh total con. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I knew that. I didn't, I didn't think the viewers would know who I was talking about. Or the well, listeners. If they right. follow us on Twitter, then they would see our tweets. <laughs> True. Um, tweety, yes. tweety, tweety. <laughs> so we're going to do that. Um, I recently played 2038. Eric Brosh has taught us. Um, us, not including Eric, um, unfortunately. Yeah. It was during, I wanted to. Yeah, it was during the day, during the week when I have off and Eric's working like a normal human being. Um, 
And Sadly. it was awesome. Uh, I won't get into details on it. It is, a, there's a crazy amount going on in the game and there's like a billion space trains. Um, I liked it. I like it a lot. I actually bought a copy. Um, uh, oh, Joe, you found one. Well, Joe, um, um, oh, right. who's probably listening, one of our patrons, had uh, two copies. He, he was searching the internet fervently for a copy and ended up uh, getting multiple bites and bought them both and didn't need both. So, he graciously sold one to me. And Didn't uh, he buy three, like, by I accident all maybe at once? He, I think he did because he, he bought one and then he found one for, like, a better price, like, the day later and he was like, I can't pass that up or something. I don't know. I don't know how it worked out, but I think he did end up getting it three copies at one point. I think he's now down to one. Uh, so I appreciate that because uh, it's hard to find and uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I actually bought it from him before we played and then was crossing my fingers that I wasn't going to hate it. So I was, just, <laughs> I, I was joking that maybe I just had the illusion that I enjoyed it because I already spent the money on it. But um, it's, who knows? It's possible. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, um, we already mentioned we played 46 a bunch. I played a game of 1817, which was really cool. Um, I got really frustrated at one point and thought I thought I came across really salty, but the other players did, said they didn't think that I appeared that way. Um, oh, and then good. I and then I ended up winning. So, um, <laughs> oh, it's always the worst when you get salty and then you win. Yeah. Well, so what happened was it was just it was really late. It had taken us about six hours to get to the last stock round, and. Um, Avery just started shorting all my shares and I'm like, you know, I could just start shorting all your shares, but I really don't know if that's the right thing because I'm going to have to pay dividends on them. And like, since I don't know what the right move is, I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to let you destroy my company. And I just, you know, I kept buying up the shorts um, or I kept buying up the shares that are created when, when they get shorted um, to protect the company, but it meant taking out loans. And I really had no idea how it was going to play out. But in the end, um, I ended up having too much of a lead and he had to pay so much money for the shorts that he, he couldn't catch up. Um, and part of that was that I played very, very conservatively early on in the game and it looked like I was losing by a mile. Um, and then the other two players, Phil and Avery, who had a bunch of companies and had taken out a ton of loans, uh, had like half of their companies just implode on them. And they had to pay for all the the loans and everything. Um, it was like a very a very sudden turning of the tables, um, where all of a sudden I happened to be in the lead, and it was a surprise to everybody. Cool. Um, yeah. I I don't know. I, could, you know. I can't follow too much of what you're saying because I don't know the rules to that game. Um, but one thing that stood out is that you said it. How long did that play take you? I think it was about six and a half six and a half hours, maybe seven hours. And did you guys play to the end or did you play to you said like, okay, you win or, or? No, we played to the end. And you broke the bank. Yeah. Uh, so one player cool. went bankrupt about halfway through and I could not believe Phil uh, stuck around for the entire rest of the game. <laughs> Silently. Quietly without you knowing. Right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden at the end, he was like, thanks for the game. And we started talking about the game. I'm like, wow, you're still here. I would have gone to bed. <laughs> it was like three in the morning or something. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's cool. Um, I was under the impression that 1817 is like, Eight plus hours always, uh, but well, it was that, a three-player game, so maybe maybe it's longer for four. I don't know. Sure, but if you can get your reps in at six and a half hour games or six hour games, um, and you didn't end in a bankruptcy or anything, right? So, yeah, uh, I think part of it too is like I, I have I'm not 
typically the fastest player. Like I do tend to AP sometimes, but I've lately been going into games just saying like, I'm not going to be able to min max everything. Like I'm just yeah. going to make a decision. And if, if you're it's following a bad decision, Joe's advice. So yeah, exactly. Um, so the, I listened, uh, I went back and listened to our episode on how to play faster and it's helping. So yeah, that was uh, also on tabletop simulator too, right? It was. Yeah. And it was scripted. Uh, it was scripted pretty well. So that's cool. Um, Hey, something I realized before we go on to our, our main topic of our bonus episode, which is actually at this point, just a regular episode (laughs) that that doesn't have a train fact, um, is that we have neglected to play the voicemail that we got voicemails that we got. All right. So a little preamble, um, this was in response to our question that was about, uh, titles that grow on you and, and like, you know, something that you needed to play multiple times to, to enjoy. So here we go. Hey, this is Mike Anastasia calling to answer your question about 18 XX titles that, uh, grow on you. My answer is actually 18 EU, um, which was the second title I ever played after 1846. One of my favorite things about 46 and getting into it was the the minor railroads that just sort of start off with one station and one train and gave you a really simple way to get into what operating a railroad looked like. You lay track, you run your route, you get some money, great. And here's 18EU that starts with 15 of those little things that are exciting to me. And I played it once. And that part was cool for the first two ORs. And then I was completely overwhelmed. Uh, and I've since played it a bunch more times and, uh, it's grown on me quite a lot from that first play where over the course of my play, the enthusiasm went from really high at the beginning to, oh, can this just be over, please? Uh, that's my answer. Thanks very much. Bye. So, yeah, that's Mike Anastasia. We've actually played a couple of games with Mike lately. And I think what he's saying is very similar to my feelings on you so far. <laughs> not not can it be over because I am having a good time, but um, being overwhelmed with the rules, maybe it's a little different. But I, I'm more and more, I'm kind of going like, man, I just want to like pick one or maybe two titles and have those be, I've heard other podcasts talk about like game of the month things where you just play that game for that month. Um, and unfortunately with, with how long async plays can take and how often we get to play online, that would probably be like two games Yeah, with these. Uh, but if we were able to play like weekly or faster then it would be cool to do like four plays in a row of one game and then, and then go on to one other game. I, I'm, I want to just be more siloed and do a bunch of plays. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if we played more, sure, but <clears throat> I like, I like variety too. Yeah, I mean, the more you play one title in the system, the more boring they become. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that a segue? Uh, yeah. so, uh, thanks Mike for, uh, for the voicemail. Delighted that you used the, the medium. That's great. Uh, more yeah. people, please. Uh, we encourage you come leave a, a message on our, our hotline, our voicemail, uh, which is. What? No, it's not. No, it's not. Sorry. <laughs> Did you just get on Scratch number? that. That's Mike's number. We're not, we're not going to publish that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Please call our number, which is 410-357-1898. Okay. So moving on. So yeah, I was, uh, for those that didn't get the reference, I was, I was poking a little fun at, uh, no, no pun included. Um, 
who did uh, recently put out a uh, um, a pretty good video on 18xx and uh, they their one year journey into the genre, so they could do a uh, a kind of a high level review of the genre. Um, so I was just uh, poking fun at their uh, hypothesis that if you play a single title over and over, that it will get uh, boring quickly. And um, as we know, uh, that's not true uh, for a lot of people that play the genre. So just a little fun at their expense. But we actually did want to talk a little bit about some of the discussions that their review and their their uh, comments on 18xx have kind of um, sparked, uh, mostly on Twitter. So a lot of debate. Yeah, actually, not not just on Twitter, uh, on on train game Facebook groups and on uh, the groups.io and other corners of the internet, like our the our eighteen XX um, train Discord, the one that we did before our our community grew, the the kind of public one. Um, I've seen some chatter in there, like a lot of people talking about it. Uh, so yeah, uh, Efra from no pun included started as he was like preparing his video. He, he posted a photo of 1846 and talked about the aesthetics of 18 XX games. And he had a criticism basically that he just, the summary of this, the discussion at a high level, not to rehash it all. It, it actually, I wouldn't necessarily recommend reading through every thread on that discussion. Cause some of it wasn't pleasant and, well, whatever. Um, but there, there were some good discussion points that came out of it. Um, at a high level, they thought, no pun included, thought that 18xx games looked ugly. Um, and that more people would be drawn into them if they looked better. And that potentially that the games are like almost intentionally left looking ugly as a form of gatekeeping uh, of, of the community, like trying to keep people out. Maybe I don't know that that was implied sometimes yeah. in that conversation. So, and, and a lot of other positive discussion too came out of it, but some negative stuff. So, we just wanted to talk a little bit about it and have our have our say, right? In our yeah. in our forum. So, and I actually think even on this of the on in our close knit circle of two hosts of this podcast, I actually think we're on fairly uh, different sides of the issue, uh, to be honest. So, um, at least somewhat. Um, I, I really, I like some of the more artistic, I shouldn't say artistic because that's a subjective term. Embellished maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Cause some people could say the Spartan artwork is artistic as well. And I would agree with that. Um, but, uh, I like some of the embellishments. I, I think one of the big things is that, you know, people talk about if, that some of the attempts to make 18xx games look quote unquote better again, subjective, um, result in boards that are harder to read and harder to parse the game state. And I think that's a valid point. Um, I do not want to sacrifice playability for artwork. Um, but I think that there are subtle ways to improve, uh, or to, to embellish, as Eric put it, um, without losing uh, readability. And I'm very much on the side of, um, some of, some of my favorite 18xx boards are ones that do that. Like 1844 is, I think, my best example of one that's, I think, very easy to read, um, and looks absolutely beautiful, in my opinion. Um, so that's kind of where, where I'm at. But I don't think that there's any sort of, I think people argue very fervently against embellishment because they're worried about the playability issue. Um, but I don't think that there's gatekeeping. Um, I, I don't think that's correct. 
Well, how do you feel about it? Uh, I so I don't. I, I feel that the eighteen XX community is very welcoming. Um, and and part of this, so uh, like the next day, there was like a, a statement issued. That I'm going to read a little snippet here. He said, whether you like it or not, the reality of 18xx art is that it speaks of a boys club, one that is not inclusive and one that wants to stay the same. Um, so first of all, I take umbrage over the boys club statement while I acknowledge the fact that the majority, the vast majority of 18xx players are white men. I, I, I want that to be to change, right? I want, I want to welcome whoever wants to come play these games with me to come do so. Um, and I have never met anyone who is of the same mindset, um, within the group that I've, the groups that I have played in. And I know that those people exist, right? Uh, by virtue of playing 18xx games, you are not part of some, you don't sign a rule set that say, here's how we all behave. So unfortunately, yes, that happens. And it happens in all of gaming. And I want to work to improve that. But I think that taken as a whole, um, 18xx players have been, we're so niche, right? There's so few opponents that are willing to like sit down and play these games that we're like champing at the bit to, to play with anyone who seems excited about them. And I don't know, I felt very welcomed. I'm a white man, so I can't speak as a, you know, minority um, data point for, you know, here's what my experience was, uh, female or black or, uh, Sexual orientation. I'm a Jewish half what, Mexican and I was welcome. No, I'm just kidding. I, for those that don't know me, I look, I am white. I mean, I'm white. Yeah. Um, you couldn't, you wouldn't, you can't tell that I'm technically a minority. So I, that was a joke, but yes. Uh, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's sort of the, the gist of my point is that I, I don't feel like, um, there's any intentional gatekeeping. Um, and like the, the desire to keep things a boys club, I think is not, not the case. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, and I don't know that many people that play 18xx to be honest. So, so I mean, the community is very small. But even the the amount of people we know within that community is very small. So, so we can't speak for the whole community. But um, I know that nobody that that we that we game with feels that way. And uh, like Eric said, we all just we all just want more people uh, to come in and experience it. I think there's a, a big feeling of. Um, I think there's a, a lot of excitement to share this genre, partially because it's so niche um, that when you find somebody that's expressing an interest, you can't help but be excited that there's somebody else that wants to to share this really great genre of games with you. And that, and that you're going to get to show them potentially some of like the coolest, for me anyway, some of the best gaming that I've ever gotten to do and to point out, not to point out, but to to like watch them experience the stuff that you can't really experience for a second time. You know, I, I can't go back and have the same discovery moments that I did over these past three years, especially in the first maybe 20% of games that I played. I can do that with new titles. Um, and that's probably why, why that drive exists for like trying new things. Um, it's kind, it's kind of like, um, uh, I always think of it as like, uh, if you could show somebody, Star Wars Episode Five for the first time, and the moment where uh, spoiler alert, Luke finds out that Darth Vader's his father. It's like what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like watching that with my nephew was a cool experience because I got to see the shock when when he found out, 
And it's, it, it's kind of, I think it's a similar thing with 18XX. You know, you get, you can have these aha moments and stuff that you're never going to have again, but it's really cool to watch somebody else have the same aha moments sitting at the other side of the table. Yeah. Um, there was some, also some discussion about, so oh, actually before we move on, I don't think that there's any argument that having more attractive looking games would, would draw more people to them. And I don't think anyone was arguing, or at least the majority of, of 18xx players in those threads were not arguing against that or that we shouldn't do that. People were pointing out 18 Chesapeake as an example of a nice looking 18xx game that has tried to push things forward. And I think All Aboard is doing a good job right now of making, uh, making the games look pretty in a way that's still readable. And I'm sure that there are plenty of people who don't play them or maybe even some that do that don't think that's like moving enough that way, uh, you know, towards, towards making them pretty, you know, tool came up a lot as like, what, let's give an 18 XX to, you know, tool. And I would, I'd love to see that honestly, but I think that the steps that have been taken so far look good. Mm-hmm. Part of the issue is that like 18 XX isn't just like a game or two, it's hundreds of games. And most of them were developed by, I think the majority were developed by people at home, like printing stuff up in their basements or garages. And so they're not graphic designers. There is a standard like look more or less across the games that makes it easy to not have to, I saw train rush guys were talking about this point and it's a good one. Like if you're at a convention, if you're playing three or four different games in a day, you don't need to inspect and learn the visual minutia of each game as you switch titles throughout a day even if you know the, the game, um, that's extra cognitive overload that you might experience. Um, yeah. And so having kind of similar looking games helps that. And if they're simple, it also helps. Yeah. So there's, there's also the other thing to keep in mind is that, uh, you know, you mentioned that a lot of these games were developed by people, you know, in their basement or garage or whatever, um, trying to, to develop uh, different variants of the 18XX system. And I think it's important to note that until very recently, um, I think probably not too long before we started joining the hobby, uh, maybe in the last five or six years, um, have they started to be developed in mass quantities. And even mass quantities is, is kind of a generous term because compared to a lot of other mainstream games, there's still very small print runs. So uh, just getting the budget to print high volume and to put into artwork and just to the mindset of changing how 18xx is viewed in the board game community is a very new thing. Right. It's a glacier. It's got a lot of momentum. It's going to take time to adjust any kind of course, right? And right. I don't I think that the the course corrections that have been made so far are good ones and that will probably continue and so as far as the you know, the aesthetics, I personally enjoy the, the the example that was given in the in the MPI tweet was 1846 and I think that game looks nice. I've grown to appreciate that. Uh, and in a similar way to when I first saw photos of the Great Zimbabwe on the internet, I glossed over and said, no, I, I wasn't interested because of the way that it looked. And and then later I had heard enough about it that I and, and about Splatter in general, then I went back and took a look at it and played the game. And over the course of playing those games, I actually grew to really appreciate the art. So not only just like ignoring it and saying, ah, well, if you ignore the art, it's a good game. I actually really quite love it. Um, yeah. Now. 
I feel the same way about the Great Zimbabwe, and um, I, I went through that the same progression of feelings on that one. I don't particularly think that 1846 looks great, um, and I know especially in our group that's uh, um, <laughs> hot water, not a great thing to say. So, um, but but I, I don't particularly think 1846 looks great. I, I think that there is some level of it's not a conscious decision, but I think that the more you like a game. I think the more likely you are to, to grow to appreciate the artwork. So I think there is some. I don't know what you what you'd even call that, but there's some bias. It's I bias, think. yeah. Um, and so, I mean, but all all artwork and appreciation of artwork is subjective, so that's fine that there's bias. But I think that I think that that exists. Uh, I think if if you absolutely hate playing forty six, you are probably never going to think that the game looks good. But you could think another game with similar style might look great because you love the game. And I think you might not even realize that you're not you specifically, but you might not even realize that you're doing that. Right. Yeah. A lot of your positive emotions that you have for the good experiences you've had playing the game, get mixed up in your feelings for the artwork and you see the game and you remember those positive emotions and you have this feedback loop of positivity, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That makes sense to me. I get that. Uh, It makes sense that I like the, artwork on these Spartan games of games that I really like. I get it. But I think that, you know, it's subjective. And that's about all I want to say on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't want to beat a dead horse either. I I think there were a lot of good points. Um, I think that there's merit on both sides of the discussion. I think there were some unfortunate things said, but I think that the community can move on. And I think that, um, in, in my opinion, 18xx, there's always room for improvement. I think it, the hobby has come a an incredibly long way in a short period of time, and I think it's going to continue to be um, more approachable, and um, hopefully the community just keeps growing. Yeah. Oh, and we do want to say also that the video that they are working on came out after that, uh, which which we already brought up, but it is a – we both watched it. Um, it's a fair criticism of the – of 18xx and a good overview of mostly 1830 style games, but that's most likely the what a lot of people are going to test out first, especially with 18xx.games availability. Although it does have 46 implementation, they were critical of like rule books and of 1846, and there are a couple of things like that they suspected repeated plays would get boring, which they said wasn't their intent. The the video w- was a good video. I liked it a lot. I, Johnny said you you laughed out loud a couple of times watching it, right? I did. Yeah, they there was a couple of things that they 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 talked about um, the poop thing. They talked about like a, getting a poop sandwich or something. You need to come eat. <laughs> I don't remember exact word, but the funniest one for me was, and it was probably because we had just been talking about it because somebody commented on Twitter about um, what did they said something about they thought that eighteen xx sounded like. Uh, um, like a pornographic game or something. I don't remember the exact comment on Twitter, but Efka, uh, I don't know if it was Efka or Lane, but somebody said the pornographically named 18xx genre, and I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, so it's good. It's actually got a lot of people, um, you know, asking or interested in these games. Uh, I know 18 Chesapeake basically sold out, like, in three or four days after that. There was The remaining stock was pretty low, but it went from, like, I don't know, sub 100 to, like, Zero, basically. I know it was like 18 that got tweeted. There's very few left because that's a good entry point and they pointed to it as one correctly. So, yep. um, and if you do miss out on 18 Chesapeake, don't panic. 
because there are a couple other good beginner games either out or coming. I know 89 is supposed to be coming next year. Um, and um, 46 is on a P500 list. Um, I'm sure we could come up with some others if anybody's looking to get into the genre and can't get a hold of 18 Chesapeake. Yeah, I've, I've realized this is probably a, a very small number of listeners. But if you are here listening to us because of anything that was said or the, the video and saw our name and was curious, first of all, welcome. Thank you for joining us. It's nice to see you. Uh, <laughs> you look great. And the I really want to give like a little bump for 46. Don't be discouraged by some of the things that were said in that video. It's a really good game if you give it a shot. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people within the hobby don't, don't like it, but I do. And I think it's gotten a lot of short shrift lately. So yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Um, yeah. So anyways, uh, we, we're going to wrap this up. So um, we already mentioned that upcoming is a stream of 18CZ two player variant. And our next episode, which um, is in three days at the time of this recording, it's on Wednesday, July 22nd, we will be interviewing Scott Peterson of All Board Games, the designer of 18 Chesapeake, and uh, the person that's been just cranking out titles lately and is continuing to do so. 18 New England, too. Yep. Yep. I think yeah, he's, he's designing 22MX is uh, as well. MX and, and USA, right? So he's... Yeah. He's going. So he's, he's published a lot of, of games that he's not designed, and then he's, he's designed at least three that I know of, uh, maybe more, but yeah. Um, he's, he's been doing a lot for advancing the hobby. So, um, we're really excited to talk to him on Wednesday and ask him a little bit about, you know, how he got into it. And, uh, if you have any questions that, that you have for Scott and you're listening, just, uh, shoot us a voicemail and we'll ask him. Yeah. And we'll have, you'll have like one day to do that because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're so. going to hopefully drop this like tomorrow, which will be Monday or maybe Tuesday if we're. Yep. But it's uh, 410-357-1898. I think or, that's all we have for today, right? Uh, also, just real quick that we updated, uh, we, we dropped the, the board game informant um, branding. So if you want to get in touch with us now, you can just email trainshuffling at gmail.com. Our Twitter switched from at BGI, at BG informant to at trainshuffling. Um, if you hadn't noticed that, then that's the way to get in contact with us. Yeah. And if you like the show and you want to support, uh, we talked about it a little bit, but I don't know if we actually, if we actually mentioned the URL, but for Patreon, it's patreon.com slash meek informant. Yeah. M E E K. All right. I think that's it. That's it. Thanks for listening. Let's awkwardly peter out here. <laughs> All right. Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>